Welcome to episode six of the Church Tech and Leadership Podcast. Glad you decided to join us today. Our goal is to help you create quality experiences that help people engage with Jesus. If you would, um, if this helps you out, go ahead and share it, uh, leave a rating and review, and that helps us out. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Esslinger, joined again by my good friends, Ian Springer and Will Scott. Guys, how's it going? Great. Awesome. Good. Um, Today we are uh, answering a kind of loaded question uh, is how do I lead culture transformation or how do I help lead culture transformation? That's a big one. That is a huge question. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not easy. No, no, it's, it's very difficult. So, um, I think the, the first kind of thing we need to address is, uh, you know, a lot of times people are afraid of change, but, um, why do, why do we think that is? Why are people afraid of change? I think the the biggest fact is like uh, the unknown, like or or the comfort of the things that they already do know. And change means it's going to be it's going to be different. It's going to be it's not going to be what I'm used to. And um, Craig Rochelle talks about this a little bit. He was um, he gave a, a talk at the Global Leadership Summit this last year. And one of the things he mentioned is uh, how people aren't afraid of change. They're afraid of how you try and change them. So really it's, you know, it's, it's like, okay, if you move into a new house, that's, that's actually really kind of exciting. And that's a really big change. And most like people want to move, like most of the time they're, uh, it's, it's a good uh, situation. But if, if they're forced to move, like because of circumstances or something like that they're being changed, uh, and that isn't always comfortable. So, the really the big question is like, how are you interacting with people? And you know, are are you are you trying to change something with a hammer? Like, yeah, that's not going to be a good experience. If uh, you know, it's just it's it's not comfortable for people. People are very, uh, you know, they like their comforts. So the the real question for me is like, how are you trying to change people? And how are you kind of initiating that process and, and moving that that culture transformation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, a, a, a lot of people uh, when you're, especially if you're working with a volunteer team or or a congregation, you know, some of these people have been doing stuff since they were kids. You know, they don't mm-hmm. they don't know any other way. Um, they haven't done it any other way. And, you know, that, that can be, that can be really hard, you know, for, for a lot of people, church is a constant. Um, It's something that they know, you know, whatever, whatever craziness and chaos they've had in, in their week for the 30, 40, 50 years they've been alive, they show up on Sunday and they know what they're going to have, um, and you know when when you go go to say hey we want to change that you know it's it's easy to get caught up in um well now i don't know what now not only is my week chaotic but now my sunday is going to be chaotic and i don't know what's going to happen and you know it's it's kind of on one hand i think in a lot of cases change is necessary if if you're going to be able to carry out the mission of the church to to 
to go out and reach people for Jesus. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you have to work to to bring these people along at the same time because you don't want to just abandon them. You, you know, it's yeah, they're part they're, of the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, the, these these concerns are are valid, you know, and um, you you have to respect that, you know. Yeah. Not not everybody not everybody's coming from the same spot you are with. Like, hey, here's here's all these these great things that we can do if we change this. They they might not not pick up on that right away. Yeah. You know, I think about like um, some some people have a lot of emotional attachment to um, to the those things of regularity, those um, those comforts. So I mean. I'm gonna. It's a real kind of simple, shallow examples. Like you know, people tend to sit in the same seats in church every Sunday, and you know, if they, especially if it's if it's been years and years and years, that you know, and somebody comes and sits in their their seat, they get really bent out of shape, and it's like that's just a simple little change. That's like that's, and and honestly, you know, maybe that person's a new person, or you know, maybe. I, you know, you know, that's in, that's almost like an opportunity. That's like to me, that's like God hitting me over the head, saying, "Hey, there's somebody I put in your seat for you to talk to them, and for you to engage with them and connect with them." Uh, I mean, that's what that's what I hear from that kind of an experience. But um, you know, if somebody, it just some some little thing, like there's a lot of emotions attached with those things, and I think, and you really hit the nail on the head is you have to you have to kind of get them to come along with you. And to me, that's buy-in. And a lot of that, like, you, you have to communicate the vision. You have to um, and bring them along with you, like you said. And, uh, you know, you just, if, if you're the person who's trying to initiate change, you just can't just run off and say, hey, we're, here we're going, because now you're just, you're just running off by yourself. Nobody's following you. But if you are really leading change, you those people have to come along with you. They have to see the reason for change they have to see that the future like where we are going is better than where we're at and you know honestly i think there's loads of examples in the bible where um you know just think if you know know, jesus like hey come come with me i'll make you fishers of men like no i'm good i like fishing yeah (laughs) i don't you know i don't i don't really want to go out there that's a whole different i mean i might have to get up earlier like it's it's just think of all the things that would not have happened in our world if, uh, especially in our, in, you know, in the kingdom context, if people were afraid of change. And, and I think uh, something else you said, Ian, that just kind of, you just sort of slid in, you, slid, you slide in these little like pieces of these golden nuggets of wisdom um, that like part of being, you know, being the church is being change. Like that's, to me, that that's just the truth. Like, we we need to get comfortable with change, because you never know when God's going to tap you on the shoulder, or uh, or life is going to throw you a curveball. And honestly, uh, in today's society and culture, it's like, yeah, make change a part of the norm, and uh, and that's that's going to make it like that's going to make a difference. That's going to that that I think that's going to kind of break us out of this comfort zone, because. 
here in a, here in the United States, we're all about our comforts. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I, you know, I want the bigger TV or the comfy, cushy couch or you know, whatever these things are. It's like, no, just make yourself uncomfortable just for the sake of the exercise, because then you'll be more apt to to change, to move towards change. I think too, part of that comfort level comes from being in control or feeling in control. Um, I don't know that it's so much that people are afraid of change, but they're afraid of uh, not having control over over the change or of being changed. Um, and you know, as a result of that, they're gonna they're gonna fight it if they don't see a good reason behind it. Yeah. Oh, when I I think that ties back into the buy-in. It's you know you have to you have to kind of have a team of cheerleaders that's like and a, and a sense of urgency that says hey we're gonna we you know we're this this yeah you, you you have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and and then your your team that kind of champions that for you um, because a lot of there's there's kind of like whenever you're trying to uh, and Craig talks about this a little bit as well is like you if you're trying to initiate change you usually have three types of people so you have critics. These are the loud people who are vocally opposed to, to what you're trying to do. You've got the bystanders who just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, this may not affect me so much. And you've got the advocates and you have to if you can really kind of convince the advocates and the bystanders, then um, you will be able to sway the critics. But a lot of that um, like and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but a lot of that has to do with um, with the why. And, and kind of getting them to understand the reason for why you're, you're making change happen. But yeah. we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, cool. So before we kind of get to that, I, I think, um, you know, the challenge with this discussion is we've all been around it enough to, to want to uh, just kind of answer the question here. But um, there's some things we need to, to hit first is... Um, how do I know that my culture needs to change? I like how things have been for a really long time. And we kind of started to address this one, but that's a reality. Um, is that um, for a lot of us, we can become blind to what's going on because we get comfortable with it. So what do, what do you guys think? How do I know my culture needs to change? Yeah, I mean... I, I think to a certain extent you you should you should always be changing it at some level. I mean, you know, not not like you're going to go in and 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 blow up your system every every six months and and build it from the ground up. Like but that's, that's kind of so crazy. much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, Chris, but you know, it's it's still kind of it's kind of crazy to go in and do that. But still, you if if you have a culture of constantly looking at what you're doing and saying, Hey, are we really doing this the best way that it can be done? Or is there something better we can be doing? Then you'll, you'll be constantly changing because the, the people that you're trying to reach are always going to be changing. The, the environment that, that you're working in is always going to be changing. The equipment that you're using is always going to be changing. And so, you know, you, your, uh, your, your strategy to use these these tools and and to reach these people has has to be able to change to accommodate that. I mean, if you look at uh, at Paul, you know when Paul was 
when Paul was doing his missionary thing, going out and reaching people, he went into different cities and, and spoke to them uh, in ways that they could understand. Um, he, he didn't go to... Uh, he didn't go to the Romans and start speaking to him like, you know, he, he was, he was from a different part of the country, you know, that wasn't his, uh, his style. And that's, I think an example that we can learn from, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think, I think there's a, um, a lot of this, like, how do I know my culture needs change? The, you know, the expression, the age-old ex- expression of ignorance is bliss. Um, you know, you might, you don't necessarily know what you don't know. So if you aren't, and this kind of uh, ties into, and uh, I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago, but you don't know what's out there. And maybe that means you need to take some time with your organization to discover, you know, how are other organizations doing things or, uh, you know, and it kind of, it goes with goal setting and, um, and, and trying to go in a direction that says, all right, Hey, we want to go in this direction, but we're not really sure how to do it. Is there someone else? And you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you want to change something because honestly, that's a lot of work. And one of the benefits is somebody else has probably already done it and they know how to do it really well because they've experienced it. So, go and engage with other organizations. Um, you know, it could be businesses, it could be other churches. Um, it could be, heck, it could be like a community group or something like, you know, ask the Boy Scouts, who knows? Uh, but if, if, uh, somebody else's experience change or they're doing something similar to what your organization is trying to do, ask them about it because chances are pretty good that they'll want to tell you about it because they'll say, oh, yeah, this is a great experience. We're so glad we did this. Or it was painful the whole way, but we were we were thankful. Like we knew that it was worth it and it was worth the pain of going through the change and they were able to actually go out there and, and make a difference. So honestly, like go just just look around, see see what you're trying to do. And, uh, and make sure you have a visionary on your team who is, who is trying to kind of lead the team in a direction. Like that's, that's an essential part of chemistry in order to make change happen is you have to have someone who is leading the charge and uh, has a clear vision of where we're going and is communicating that to the team and bringing them along with them. Yeah, not having that is kind of like um, just driving along without any kind of navigation or or map or, you know, however it is you choose to navigate in your car, but driving along without that and going, I hope I get somewhere. Yeah. Um, you, you really, you need to have an overall direction and an overall vision, big picture, uh, and know why it is you're doing what you do. And that's kind of how you would know, you know, does my culture need to change? Well, do you know where you're going and are you on the uh, shortest path to get there? And if the answer is no, then something needs to give. Um, you know, I would say the other thing is, is that big picture vision, or as Andy Stanley says, mission, um, that big picture mission never changes, but the methods and the strategies you employ to get there, those can change all the time. And I think some of the challenges is we get very comfortable with those methods. And once we kind of get locked into them, um, 
we stop looking for ways to make it better. We just let it roll. Yeah, I think there's, um, you kind of, you hit a good point there. Like you, you sort of get comfortable, like it's routine, like humans are creatures of habit and we, we like, uh, we like routine and honestly change is not something that is kind of built into our, um, our DNA, I think. And so you do have to kind of shake yourself up every now and then. And, um, you know, another thing that I'm thinking about change, one of the things that's really easy, especially in our culture today, is we like to compare ourselves to other people. And uh, Jordan Peterson, he talks about, like, don't compare yourself to, to who someone else is today. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday. The only thing that you're comparing yourself to is is who you were. Like, you are only measuring yourself um, because otherwise you're... Like, why are you trying to compare yourself to someone else? Like, that's, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. They're not you. They're not in your situation. They're like, every single person has so many different things that make up who they are. It, 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 that's a real easy way to be discouraged, especially as you're trying to push change forward in a culture. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's worth just kind of keeping an eye on who you are and don't, don't get bogged down in routine or things that are comfortable. Like, keep, Keep mixing things up. There, you could even like schedule something every couple of months that says, "Hey, we're gonna have this meeting." That says that you know we're just gonna talk about things or just try different activities or try something new. Uh, discovery, you could call it discovery meeting or something like that. I mean, just go out and try try new things because otherwise you you're gonna you're gonna gravitate towards those things of routine. And uh, if you don't if you don't intentionally mix it up, then you're never gonna kind of walk down a creative path or something that's different that will lead towards change and i think it's important too that it's not just you know you're the people that are on staff or or full-time at at the church that that are involved in this you know you've got if you're working in a church environment you've probably got a pretty sizable volunteer team and and it's important to ensure that you're clearly and consistently engaging um those folks too you know and 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 bringing them in and saying hey you know here's here's like we we want you to be part of this we we want we want you to um help us and be involved in in getting to this really great goal that we're trying to to get to you know this isn't this isn't just um us as a church staff or or as a technical staff saying hey you know, here's, here's how it's going to be. Like you all just get to do it now. You know, you, you need to creatively bring them in and involve them in, in implementing the change. You know, it, it goes a long way when you can bring people in, in that way and make them feel like they have, uh, they have a stake in it. They're, they're an owner in it and not just, uh, you know, someone that, that, uh, the change is happening to. Yeah, I think uh, you really have to get that buy-in from folks, and being part of the decision is uh, the best way um, to get buy-in when they when they feel like they actually had a say in it. Uh, and then the other the other great way to be able to get buy-in from folks is just actually having a great vision or or a why behind where you're going, and being able to communicate that clearly 
um, I think if you can do that, because obviously you can't include the entire congregation in in a meeting where you're sitting there going, well, what should our why be behind this? You know, <laughs> um, you, you can't have hundreds of people in those discussions. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you can you can take that that cross section of folks who came up with that and take what they came up with and clearly communicate it out. Um, I think people can get on board with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, um, digging back into like those, those three types of people that, you know, your critics, your bystanders and your advocates, your why is like, that is the magic sauce that just brings everything together and kind of helps you move forward. Uh, Craig, Craig Rochelle talks about like the why it, it disarms the critics, it educates the bystanders and it empowers the advocates. And though like the, that's like the why is that's it. That is where it gets you to move forward. And it works with all groups of people. If you have a good and strong why and you have a vision to get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So, so how do we, what are some effective ways we can communicate that, um, within teams? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think having regular meetings, like some, some churches and organizations have like a Wednesday night. Um, I know uh, one organization that I'm aware of, like they'll, they'll do once a month, they'll get folks together. Uh, and like, that's, that's really like their vision night. That's their kind of, Hey, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. This is where we kind of measure like where we've been. And, uh, you know, and these are some course corrections we're going to make. You know, I think having regular meetings like that, that's especially in a volunteer run organization, uh, that that's an essential part to make change happen. And that's that's an opportunity for for that buy in to happen and uh, like communicate, 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 communicate. I cannot. Oh my goodness. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of communication. I like, I'm, <laughs> I would rather over communicate than under communicate. Uh, I don't think there's such a thing as over communication <laughs> because, uh, if, if people are aware of where we're going and how we're getting there, then they'll, but th- they'll be more, more interested in moving on. But if they don't know, it's like, Oh, we're doing that now. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. Well, it's been a thing for a couple months, but Who's, who's responsible for telling everyone that this is now how we're doing things. This is, this is the, like the new message and having, I think regular meetings like that once a month is a, is an effective way to kind of do that. And you could, you might even like, especially as soon as change is, is happening, you might want to try and like maybe make that a weekly meeting and then switch it to like once a month or something so that it's, uh, it, it, it again, it kind of goes with the tension of the moments because right when you immediately change, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of uncertainty, and the, a lot of people need clarity. And communication is one of those one of the ways that you can bring clarity to uh, to the change you're trying to to make. And people finding out about change, being surprised by it right at event time, is usually not a good thing uh, for them or the event because they're already, you know. 
um, at least pump full of adrenaline, if not uh, a little stressed. And then you throw in, oh, by the way, we're going to change all this stuff or this is different than what you're used to. They're not going to handle that well. It's it's much better to have communicated it early and them have had a chance to kind of mull it over, you know, open it up, let them ask questions, uh, all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's great to be able to have that. It's almost essential to be able to have that time where people feel like, um, you know, they've, they've both been communicated with and they can communicate back where they feel like they're a process of, of not only working in, uh, in the system or in the process or in the organization, but also working on it. Mm-hmm. So along those lines, what systems or processes um, will help or hinder change? I can think of one thing that, like, th- what hinders change is, um, well, doing things the old way. <laughs> it's like, well, this is, like, slowly, again, those those critics are, are going to be the folks who are least likely to change, and they're going to hang on to those old ways as, you know, as as much as possible. So, I mean, um, you could, it could be... Uh, Kind of a quick and easy example uh, is like planning. If your if your organization switched to planning center, or uh, a new database, or some especially technology, like that's our world. Technology changes pretty on you know on the reg. It's you know oh there's a new iPhone update or something like that. Oh here comes some change. But if you uh, allow people to continue to operate within those old systems and structures, like that is going to slow down. The change process. You have to, uh, you have to kind of create. This is where we're going. This is so you can jump from the old way to the new way, and then if you blow up the old way, like that's like there's there's no there's there's no going back. Like if if you know if you're uh, if you're on a hiking trip and someone drops you off, like you're not going back. You have to go to where you're going if you wanna if you wanna finish your trip and not die in the woods because you ran out of food or something like that. But you have to, you have to encourage people to let go of those old systems by creating the new, like, and, and a lot of that comes with training and clarity and hand holding and educating and especially with technology and certain demographics of people, some, you know, uh, who aren't necessarily aware or, or they're not comfortable with new technology um, I mean, that's, it takes, a, it takes a lot of extra effort to work with those people. And if you want them to be champions of what you're trying to do and move them from that critic to either bystander or advocate status, you have to work with them and you have to be willing to put in the time, uh, especially when it comes to technology in my experience. Yeah. Part of your plan for change needs to include how that change is going to get communicated and implemented. Um, you want it to be as, as painless and easy and almost fun as possible to switch over to the new system. Um, you, you've got to communicate clearly when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Um, otherwise, like I said earlier, if you surprise somebody with it, uh, you, you've now made a very hardened critic rather than, yeah. than pushing them towards being on your side. And, and once you, once you've implemented the change, you know, don't, don't go back. If you're if you really have thought about what you're doing, you've communicated it, you know that this change is the right way to go. You know, don't don't approach it with a well, you know, 
we can, you know, we can always go back to our Excel sheets next week if people really don't like it. You know, that's no, that's don't do that. If if you if you approach it that way, you're going to fail back every time you you have to be fully committed to whatever your your new solution is. And if if it's bad, if it if it doesn't work the way that you thought it would, then sit down and say, okay, you know, what's what do we need to improve here? What do we need to fix? But but don't you know, unless you absolutely have no other option don't go back. Yeah. And I, I think, um, your planning of, of that change has a lot to do with it. I think there's some instances where, yeah, you, you could have done a lot of planning and, and just been blindsided by something, but more often than not, um, if you've really thought through it and thought through all the potential angles and issues, um, it's going to help that go over well. Um, you know, personally on the, on the Enneagram, I'm a seven. And so I'm, I, make decisions quite quickly, uh, and tend to jump at things. And so I usually, for me, have to force myself to slow down, talk to other people who are really good at looking at all the angles and all the data and making sure that we're going to, um, that we've accounted for things that we're not just jumping. Uh, and so I think that's, that's a huge deal when you're making change, uh, especially when it comes to, to helping others come along with you is after you've communicated your why, also being able to communicate that, um, look, we've looked at all these potential issues and here's the ways we're going to deal with them. Um, we've looked at all of the information and that's why we think this is the best decision or part of the why for why this is the best decision. Um, and not just, uh, not just, Hey, I've got this idea. Let's do it tomorrow or let's do it today in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you really want to make sure that you've planned out not only what the change is going to be, but how you're going to make that change. Um, and again, before that, you need to have communicated why why you need the change. All right, so kind of the last thing to discuss, a little bit of the uh, elephant in the room for uh, most of the, the technical guys that are going to be listening to this um, is... How do I influence culture change when I'm not in charge? Oftentimes, uh, we are, you know, in, in that seat in the organization. We are not the guy in charge. We are not responsible for all the decisions, um, or even, you know, coming up with with the big picture why of where the church is going. Um, so, from from our seat in the organization, whether it's staff or volunteer, uh, how do I influence culture change when I'm not in charge? I mean, I think I think a, the first thing you can do is see what what influence do you have? Because because even if you're not in charge, that doesn't mean that you have zero influence. You know, you you might you might not you might not really have much influence over like your facilities people. If you're a tech guy, you might not be able to go in and say, well, OK, you know, here's how I think we need to configure, you know, our smart thermostats and, you know, change the boilers to run in this certain way or something like that. You might not have influence there, but you do probably have an area of influence within tech. And so start there. You know, if, if you don't, uh, see it's going to, if you want to be able to influence people higher up in your organization, influence the people in the area that you have, make that work really well so that, 
people in your organization will take notice and say, hey, you know, we I we've done this stuff in my team. It's really we've really had some positive results. Um, let's try getting some other teams on board. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I think it's it really comes down to working the circles that you do have influence over. So like you said, within your own team, it's it's so easy to to just make incremental uh, cultural changes and and you can cast vision within that team. You know, it's it's not something where you need to force try and force it on everybody else in the organization, but if you can just go, "Hey guys, in in our area in the in the tech area we're working towards this and they all get on board with that and you start having forward momentum who knows somebody else higher up might notice and go hey what are you guys doing that's allowing us allowing things to improve so drastically in this area yeah you know the um uh, well, another so another speaker at this uh, leadership summit was Nona Jones and she uh, she talks about this feeling of inadequacy. Like we think, okay, because I'm not in charge, I'm not capable. We don't have blank. We don't have X, whatever it is we're, we're missing. And this kind of, this causes us to believe this lie that we aren't equipped with, you know, what we're tasked with doing or what we're trying to do. And I mean, honestly, that's, there's, you, you can get into some biblical <laughs> parts of this where it's like, that's, that's kind of like where faith, like you need to believe that God's going to give you the tools that you need and you can make change happen where it is and like where you're at. So you, you may not think you have influence, but you have influence, you have power, you can make change happen exactly where you are. I mean, that's, it's the exact same thing. Well, all three of us are saying the exact same thing, just a little bit different. But don't don't believe this lie that oh because I'm not in charge, I can't make change happen. And that's you can make change happen. You just you have to try. You have to th- have the faith. You have to have the courage to try, and keep trying, and and keep working until things change. Is there? ever a situation in which you don't want to change or you you shouldn't necessarily change or like maybe there's a new upgrade or there's a new piece of tech or hey 4k there's one um like hey 4k is a thing now we should totally go to 4k right is that ever a situation like is is there ever like maybe we shouldn't change maybe we shouldn't go that way yet good and effective uh like like the the 4K thing that you brought up. Well, you know that's 4K is cool, but is it? It you know you you could spend a whole bunch of money getting a 4K switcher, 4K cameras. You know, are you gonna go all the way and go get 4K projectors? Does your live streaming platform even support 4K to to get out to you know people's houses? If you does your if, does your infrastructure support 4K? <laughs> yeah, I mean you could you all, could easily all the go cables. Out and, it's it's one thing to say, great, I'm going to go out and buy a you know eight thousand uh, dollar Ursa Broadcast 4K and say, great, I'm 4K now. Well, maybe not, but I mean, do you really need it? Is it really is adding those extra pixels going to really help communicate your message 
that much better? Or could you have um, spent that money somewhere else that was more effective? Because it's not like in a perfect world, you have unlimited resources and 4K would be amazing to do for everything. But we live in the real world where, especially in the church world, budgets are going to be kind of constrained. So you've got to prioritize and say, well, you know, maybe it's more important to do something like have a, have a, you know, spend that money on a quality comm system so that you, your, your director can really communicate well with the other people on the video team or, or lighting or, or audio as needed that, that would help put together a, a, a smoother experience or maybe, there's, there's lighting or audio upgrades that would help make your venue more immersive. You know, though these things might be higher priority than 4K video. And I would argue most pro broadcast with, with you know, a few exceptions are, are not using 4K. 4K, I mean, you see it for like some cinema stuff. Um, some of those places have just started using it, but if, if the pros that, ha that really have crazy high budgets aren't needing 4k to be able to tell a really, uh, compelling story, are you sure that you need it? Cool. Thanks guys. Um, if this has impacted you, remember to share with somebody else so it can impact them. Uh, leave us a rating or review that helps out. Uh, and you can find more content on the website. It's just chrisslinger.com. And uh, there are show notes there along with the blog. You can also check out some of our services there if um, you'd like to talk specifically about your context. Um, if you have topic requests or questions, click on the I Have a Question button at the top of the podcast page. And that will about do it today, guys. Thanks. Thanks.